Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. This is our midweek podcast on Thursday morning. As always, we try to have our podcast between um, 8 and 9, and today it's at 7, um, our midweek podcast. Um, we stream live on Facebook. I have three different Facebook pages, my personal Facebook page, so Sean Needham's personal Facebook page, and the uh, Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Facebook page and the uh, second Facebook page. My second Facebook page is my book Facebook page. It's called Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. And one of the things that makes my book different is it actually has a six-step fix in how to fix our healthcare system. As many of you know, especially the ones that have followed me, our healthcare system is broken. It's a it's a sick care system. It's not a healthcare system. It doesn't help to make anybody healthy. It doesn't try to keep anybody healthy. It preys on sick people. And um, today we're going to be talking about that. And we have Jason Goodman, who is a certified health coach. And he's going to be talking about how we can lose weight, which in America, obesity is the true pandemic. It's epidemic in this country, getting worse and worse every day. And with that, um, we have diabetes. And type 2 diabetes is is um, definitely an epidemic pandemic. Um, even in children now, type 2 diabetes is, is a problem. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Jason to our show. Jason, welcome to our show. Sean, great to be here and uh, great to meet you in person. In yeah, person, so, in person, 2023 version. Exactly. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself and tell you about a little bit about what you do. Awesome. Uh, I'm a Mayo Clinic certified wellness coach, uh, a national board certified wellness coach, and I'm a certified nutritionist and a certified exercise physiologist. And a straightforward, I think, most interesting way to think about what I do is I help people go from knowing what to do and having good intentions to truly forming the lasting habits that are going to help them live with the kind of well-being they want to live with. You, you talk, Jason, about one of the things that I, I, we, we talk about a lot, you know, me being in healthcare and a pharmacist is about type 2 diabetes. And there are a lot of people on medications to treat type 2 diabetes. I, as a pharmacist, my wife is a pharmacist, we absolutely do not believe in medications to treat type 2 diabetes. Um, but there are some people in healthcare out there that I debate with that says diabetes is not reversible. Let's go. <laughs> well, yeah, so what's super interesting about the, that you go right there is, uh, you know, I can't speak as a, as a physician or a medical professional, but I can speak with what I see on a week to week and day to day basis. And I would say from a wellness coaching perspective and a lifestyle medicine perspective, uh, type two diabetes is the poster child ailment for reversibility and prevention through lifestyle. It's the most, um, all of the other common lifestyle ailments uh, respond very well to lifestyle improvements, but type two diabetes in my experience responds uh, the most thoroughly and the most quickly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It is the, it is the one that is the most, um, linked to lifestyle. And if you change your habits, it's the one that's probably reversed the easiest, the quickest. 
Um, one thing I, you know, what, one challenge that I have ongoing, and I always tell people if they're on medications that will, you know, cause hypoglycemia, don't do this. But if, if you think diabetes isn't reversible, I just dare you to fast for 24 to 48 hours and tell me that your blood sugar doesn't go down. And I mean, that's just a rational question. And, and, and the answer is, and anybody that knows anything will say, well, of course your blood sugar will go down. Bingo, right? Well, I, mean, I, think, I think that's what makes uh, type 2 diabetes interesting from a lifestyle medicine perspective and wellness coaching perspective is because it's so responsive uh, physiologically, it is a, it's an incredible bridge to the sense of empowerment that one ultimately gets when they make lifestyle improvements. What I mean by that is a person has this strong epiphany relatively quickly. You know, obviously they don't get all the way they want to go overnight, um, but relatively quickly they get to see and even say to themselves, maybe even out loud say to themselves, I did that. Um, the way I lived today, whether it was fasting, whether it was some other form of improving eating habits, whether it was getting um, some more sleep, I even see people seeing their blood sugar responding to um, reducing their stress levels, which is amazing because that's so much, you know, it, it's easy for that to be less tangible and seemingly less potent. But when, when people can see that the way they live impacts their blood sugar levels almost immediately, uh, they start to enter a different game of being less um, feeling dependent on medication, less dependent on um, anything outside of them in general, um, the medical system in general. And uh, it's a, it's a, this is a, this is going to be a, a, a weird paradox or ironic term. It's a gateway drug into, wow, I, I have a lot of ability to control the outcomes of my well-being and even more broadly in my life. So I, I know that was a little bit of a rant, but um, I think it's very cool for people to see quickly that what they do can influence their blood sugar levels. Yeah, so tell us, some of the debates I get into also is that, well, some people have type 2 diabetes and they don't need to lose weight. Um, so I don't necessarily, they think, well, that's not reversible then. Um, can you can you hit on that? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I bet you have an answer for it. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I have um, uh, the most thorough answer on this. Um, uh, I'll start by saying that I think um, I think sometimes uh, there's a chicken and egg question going on here, and there are, you know, I, I don't think I I don't think it's completely well understood. There might be some people on on Earth that that uh, claim to have this completely well understood. Um, I think the cases can be made and this is this is on the, the outer this is on the edges of my expertise but i think cases the case could be made that obesity or excess body fat drives dysfunctional uh blood sugar dynamics and drives type 2 diabetes i think the case can also be made that um dysfunctional blood sugar dynamics drives type 2 diabetes and that drives obesity and I, I think I think there's both of those cases can be made. So I think the way I look at this, John, is, um, and maybe this is an advantage of coming from this from outside of medical training, is um, I'm less predisposed to looking at things from 
you know, from, from the diagnosis perspective. And what I simply see is a human, every one of us, has a set of needs in an ongoing sense throughout the, the course of our lives. And when we meet most of those needs most of the time, we're, we're, we're well. And when we fail to meet a certain portion of those needs, a certain portion of the time, we become sick. And that sickness manifests in different ways in different people. And I think some people, they can have type 2 diabetes while being relatively lean. Some people can be um, have significant excess body fat and not have type 2 diabetes. I think in both cases, um, the excess body fat and or the type 2 diabetes are indicating that the person is out of harmony with nature, isn't meeting enough of their needs enough of the time. And it almost doesn't matter to me because the, the solution in any of those cases is to help that person meet more of their needs, more of their time. And by needs, I mean things like nutritious food, moving our bodies, sleep and rest, uh, relatively low stress or stated conversely, you know, relatively high fulfillment in work and relationships. Uh, does that, does that get to some of your question? Oh, oh, of course. Absolutely. And I can tell you on the stress thing, if anybody has, you know, ever um, done a continuous blood glucose monitor, which I have, mm-hmm. um, you know, right when you wake up in the morning, um, your, your glucose goes up. I mean, cortisol prepares you for the day, to, the stressors of the day, whether it be mental, whether it be physical. Yes. And when I, when I would get to work, I mean, my glucose would go up even a little bit higher, about 10 points higher. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And the highest my glucose ever was, was speaking of stress, and this is like ultimate stress, not ultimate stress, because there's a, there's things that are worse, but I wanted to really test my glucose, what it was doing when I was riding my bike. Okay. And I was mountain bike um, riding, and um, the highest my glucose ever went was 170, and it's when I cra- it's when I crashed. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, other than that, my glucose, now when I was riding actively, depending on how, how much I was riding or how hard I was riding the intensity, you know, my glucose averaged 140 during my rides. Now, um, that's a stressor. Exercise is a stressor. So, you know, people have to realize that about their glucose that exercise initially, at least my experience, and I would love your, I would love your comments, at least initially exercise can raise your glucose. But then right after I would be done writing, my glucose would go, I mean, it would, it would drop like a rock. So yeah, uh, I think, I think it's, it is important. I mean, it's not something that's talked about a lot because, and, and, and it's mostly well-intentioned because most of us in these realms want to be promoting exercise as something that's very good for most people in most situations. Uh, and, and it is. Um, but it is it is helpful to think of it as a as a stressor and some as 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 how it affects um, blood sugar dynamics. Another realm that it's a stressor, and this is something I've experienced in my life, is when exercise becomes excessive. Um, it becomes a stressor. Um, it, it's one of those things that uh, the way the research, the way the scientific evidence shows on exercise is a is a U shaped curve, so that being um, sedentary is obviously uh, not good for us. But at the at the at the people doing the what we might call excessive exercise um, actually have similar uh, wellness outcomes, including mortality, uh, as people who are sedentary. So it is it is something to 
something to be careful with for sure. Absolutely. And I, I think the most important part, well, this whole equation um, is, is recovery and rest and sleep. Um, it's, super, I mean, how, it's, it's kind of yeah. neat that we got here because I think um, when you, you mentioned in your introduction, uh, something like obesity being the real epidemic, I, I agree with that statement. And I would add to it that sort of deep to the obesity epidemic and all the other lifestyle ailment epidemics is uh, straightforwardly a lifestyle epidemic, right? I mean, we, what we're looking at is, it, you know, if we were able to step outside of uh, our society and like we were you know, looking in on it and studying it, we would see not just a society that eats a lot of junk food, not just a society that is very sedentary, but a society that doesn't get enough sleep, doesn't get enough rest, yeah, it's sort of normalized, you know, sort of normalized the rat race, I suppose, is a way of saying it. And uh, your mountain bike crash is more like, you know, from our hunter-gatherer days, is more like, you know, running away from a, a predator. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an acute stressor. But I think something that's really, really uh, damaging to many people in our society is there's a, there's a low-level drip of above average stress, discontent, lack of fulfillment as sort of a baseline, sort of an all the time thing. And, uh, you know, those are the things that, that, that I get to help people with. Those are the things that, that you get to help people with. And um, I think what's so, I, I think what's equally powerful about lifestyle medicine is the ability to reverse ailments and prevent ailments but then there's a whole other realm, which is like you can feel you. We can normalize the idea that most people can feel awesome most of the time. Doesn't mean you don't have bad days. Doesn't mean you don't have bad periods of life. You know, life can be very hard. Um, but we've unfortunately in our society normalized, you know, that sort of like you know what all the things people say, Sean, like oh I'm I'm getting old or oh it's genetic or and there's sort of this assumption that chronic sickness is is a part of most people's lives for extended periods of time and uh the opportunity is to reverse that thinking and think that we can think we can we can thrive most of the time and we can have systems in place for dealing with periodic illness when it when it unfortunately strikes absolutely so so tell us about your program how do you help people uh, wellness coaching is, is really cool. And, and as you know, it's, it's an emerging field. And, uh, the, the key thing for people to know is that in addition to being able to help people with the things that you would think a wellness coach would nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, holistic wellness, the, the core of our training is in the psychology of lasting behavior improvement and positive habit formation. So we're really working with people on the level of implementation, not simply inf information providing, advice giving, telling people what to do. We're working with a person on the level of their values, their interests, their strengths, and building out practices that are realistic for them, sustainable for them in their life, um, you know, which is, a, which is a way of saying uh, you know, just solving the problem that um, a physician sends someone home and says, 
eat better, exercise more, take better care of yourself in general, come back in six months and we'll test you again. Um, and then, you know, 99% of those people come back having trouble making those changes because, because change is hard, right? There's a reason that's a, that's a saying. Um, wellness coaches, I, I, I don't think it's a fair claim to say we make change easy because we, we don't, but we make change go from seeming like impossible to feeling doable and helping a person get some real traction with it and make some real progress. Because here's the thing about lifestyle medicine. It's only potent if people do it. Um, it's, 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 it's incredible if you look at a scientific study of someone who lived in a, you know, more of a laboratory setting for a period of time, you know, the physiological changes can be profound, but we're, but people aren't living in laboratory settings. People are living in the real world. Um, so in the big picture, what I do is help people in the real world, in their real life, uh, go from the current set of self-care habits they have to a set of self-care habits that are going to help them achieve their wellness. Goals. Yeah. Now, so tell us how that program starts. I mean, how does somebody start with you? What's, what's the step-by-step uh, -step yeah. process? Yeah. A, a good way to frame this first is that I typically work with someone in a six-month arrangement, and that is very deliberate. Six months is enough time to, to build lasting habits, um, but it also has an end date. It has a graduation, and that is very, very, very important because the way I approach working with people is that I'm not doing them a service if I'm fishing for them. I'm doing my job is to teach them how to fish because then they have a skill set they can use for the rest of their life without me needing to to be there uh, helping them along the way. And then we typically have I call them wellness sessions. They're hour long meetings every other week, uh, twice a month is a better way to say it. Um, and they're in person or online. And we talk about the kinds of things we're talking about, what, what the person's vision is for their wellness, what their you know, specific measurable goals are for their wellness. Uh, and then we break it down into a tangible action plan for that two or three week period between sessions. And that includes a meal plan, a workout plan, and an other self-care plan. And we're viewing that two week period with um, something I learned at the Mayo Clinic called an experimental mindset. So this is this is very different from what people are used to with uh, like going on a diet or starting a, a highly structured workout program where the mindset is usually around like my job is to is to pass this thing and, or, or or the mindset is actually usually my job is not to fail this thing. Um, and what we're looking at is after they come back after two or three weeks is like we're scientists, what worked well, what didn't work well. What can we add? What can we take away? What can we tweak? And then they go out with essentially their wellness plan, their action plan 2.0 and, and live it in the wild again with, with my support, you know, with the, with the ability to contact me for if they're struggling, if they have questions, if they want to share their successes. Uh, and each time we, we get back together, we're repeating this process. And the idea is that the person is forming habits such that by the time we get four or five months in, they're starting to say, this is, this is kind of part of my life. It doesn't feel effortless, but it feels doable. I'm not uh, white knuckling a program. I'm becoming the kind of person who takes good care of myself. So that's, I, I created that very deliberately, the six month container, the twice a month sessions, the support between sessions, um, all serve a, a good analogy for this is like um training wheels on a kid's bike 
I'm there to, they ultimately need to learn to ride the bike because that's what's going to keep their blood sugar levels, their their blood pressure, their blood cholesterol levels, their um, body composition in a good place for years and decades to come. And that's what's going to help them uh, experience the well-being they want to experience. Uh, and I'm there to uh, help them go from the, the, the do, I'm, I'm there to help them through the very hard part, going from um, what might be, depending on their age, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of adult ha- you know, of, of habits and um, and making some new ones that are that are going to serve them better. So tell us about a success story that you had. Yeah, I'm uh, the first 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 gentleman that, that comes to mind when you when you ask that question is uh, let's say a, a local gentleman to me. Um, mid 50s, uh, about maybe early, early 50s to mid 50s when we started our work together. Uh, his his major prompt was blood sugar levels. He also had high blood pressure. He also had weight to lose. But his the major thing that got him to say, I want to do something about this, is um, he, 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 he was actually quite dissatisfied with um, the side effects he was experiencing from blood sugar medication. And he was sort of being encouraged to just live with those and, and deal with them and He's a stubborn enough guy that he said, uh, even though he did not have um, a history of being physically active, um, did not have a history of working on positive eating habits, said, you know, had enough sort of determination and empowerment from other areas of his life to say, uh, I think I can do this and I, and I, and I want to get some help. Um, uh, interesting side you know, a little, little bit of side information on this gentleman. I remember when I first met him and when he became intrigued at working with me, one thing that intrigued him was when I talked about what I do, I said that often a, some of the deeper work I'm doing with people is helping them overcome um, the common challenges of yo-yo dieting and emotional eating. Um, these are Those are good examples of realms where in, more information isn't going to help someone because they've 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 been given enough information. They've um, been on enough plans. Um, they've willpowered themselves like crazy to try to overcome emotional eating and had and had very little success. Um, so so we got to work. You know, one thing that I think you'll find interesting and listeners will find interesting about this gentleman's story is uh, big changes uh, in terms of outcomes. Uh, so he lost. Uh, I ended up working with him about a year. He lost. 35 to 40 pounds. He went from uh, diabetic blood sugar levels to normal blood sugar levels. That took about uh, for him. That took about, that took about eight months, and then he then he stabilized it. Um, and uh, but what it, what I think by the the thing that I think is fairly interesting is um, he went what's call his baseline um, typical. Um, not very, um, not very healthy lifestyle in the United States. To exercising, if I'm remembering correctly, 45 minutes, four times a week, and I would. This is the way I would simply characterize his nutrition improvements. When he started, he was eating 75% junk food, which, you know, which I consider basically, you know, all forms of processed food. And by the time we were done, he was probably eating. 75 to 85% real food. Um, so he didn't do anything in the categories of, of 
what people might consider more extreme uh, in terms of nutrition protocols or, or exercise protocols. Uh, and that was enough to get some, some very, very good results for him. Uh, well, we shouldn't really be that surprised. I mean, I, I mean, those are small, you know, 45 minutes of exercise. And I'm assuming he probably didn't start out doing super, super intense exercise if he was sedentary to begin with. Right. Right. Um, you know, and changing your diet from 75% junk food to 70%, you know, whole foods, you know, even though it sounds like a small change when you think about it, it's it's a huge change from doing nothing to something. Um, and if you think about what we did, you know, 50 years ago before diabetes was an epidemic, right. you know, before obesity was an epidemic, well, 50 years ago, people didn't even go to the gym. We didn't really schedule, you know, 50 or 60, 70 years ago, we didn't schedule exercise. We right. just didn't. Right. I mean, typically, because we had more physical jobs. So we were out walking, we were out moving. Yes. And, and then our foods were probably back then, you know, if you go back 70 years, our foods are pretty much 100% whole foods, not a lot of packaged stuff at all. Right. Especially if you go back to pre-World pre War II. Right. So... It's not magic. And I like what you said about, um, you know, he didn't need any more knowledge. He didn't need any more information. Mm. I mean, I know so many people that have struggled with their weight their entire adult lives. I'm one of them. Um, and they know what they need to do. They, they, they've done keto. They've done uh, vegetarian. They've done, you know, Atkins, they've done it all. They, they know more about dieting than I do, mm -hmm. but that's not the problem. It, it's, right. a, it's a mindset up here is, is the problem, you know? So Sean, that's, I, I really like that you reflected that because I, and, and that's part of the point I was trying to make is that unfortunately it's part of our, it's part of our go big or go home culture. People think that to reverse their diabetes, to reverse their high blood pressure, um, they need to do the kind of thing. They need to do keto. They need to do vegan. Um, they need to do CrossFit. They need to do a marathon. Right, right. <laughs> Some of those things are, are great to do um, at, at different points in our lives. Um, but I think you make a great point that um, for most of the time that these lifestyle ailments didn't exist, what most people were doing was moving as part of their work and or daily life and mostly eating real food and, and, you know, occasionally having dessert or, or some sweet treats here or there. But it was sort of, it was sort of a, the baseline culture was to live that way. And, and the, the results were these, these ailments didn't really exist. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, if you had to, if you had to tell somebody, I, I know everybody's different. And that's what I like about a coach like yourself is that you individualize every program. Mm -hmm. But if there's one thing that they could do to be healthy, what would you say that is? I know I'm putting you on the spot. What would you say that is? You know, I, I'll, I'll cheat and make it a, a, a three-part, a 1A, B, a 1A, B, and C. And <laughs> it would be, and I, and I, 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 I have you know, kind of catchy sayings I use to keep this simple and mantra-like for people. I would say, just eat real food and really enjoy it. I would say, um, I, I don't think I have as catchy of a saying, but do move your move your move your body in ways you enjoy. Uh, and then in the third one, it would be um, 
you know, be cognizant of the holistic nature of wellness. And, and, and this is sort of like old fashioned common sense, like get some sleep and rest and tend to, you know, do some, you know, don't do drudgery work, do some work that you find some meaning and fulfillment in and, and care for one another, you know, take care of your relationships. That would, that's my, uh, as close to my one thing as I think I could get in a, on the spot. Well, I like the fact that you talk about relationships and you talk about a fulfilling job. Um, on our podcast, we talk about health and wellness a lot. And we talk to our patients in our pharmacy a lot about health and wellness. And I basically say that there's three things we can do to stay healthy. And that's eat, that's exercise, and that's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in general, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of all those, people don't realize that the most important is is sleep we will die without sleep before we'll die without food sure um and as you and i were already discussing 70 years ago nobody really scheduled exercise and they lived healthy lives so we don't have to exercise to stay alive we don't now i'm not saying that you said movement and i love the term movement better and and my wife and i had a a, a podcast right before christmas right before the first of the year about you know exercise is a four-letter word um, for a lot of people, it's just, yeah. you know, move, uh, move, do something, you know, yeah. um, but, um, also to be healthy. This is what I like about your program, you know, mentally and overall physically, we need to lower stress. So have a good fulfilling job and, and relationships in our lives. Um, because you can do all those three other things I talked about being important, but if those things aren't, 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 um, also a priority in your life, you will not be a happy person or a healthy person. Well, you know, what's neat, about, what's neat about those other areas, and, and listeners can, can look at this kind of information up if they're interested, a, a good shortcut is uh, Robert Waldinger's TED Talk. Robert Waldinger was or might still be the gentleman who runs a study at Harvard called, I think it's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. And they've, they've studied people for, if, if not more than 100 years, close to 100 years, and the major takeaway, they're sort of looking at what are all the factors in life that create well-being. And of all the factors we would consider, the, the quality of our relationships as an outcome of that study is, is the most important one. Um, there are also more clinical studies. I'll share one briefly, uh, share the idea behind one briefly. They bring married couples into a hospital and they give each person a friction burn wound on their forearm. Then they put them... Um, in a room to do a problem-solving challenge together, and they're being observed through one-way glass. Um, through, they don't know they're being observed. And they're getting ratings from the psychologists or other social scientists on how supportively they talk to each other or how contentiously they talk with each other. And they get a, they get a subjective rating of the quality of the relationship. And then for something like six weeks, they um, observe how well they're friction burn wounds heal and also take blood for measured markers of inflammation and things like that and you can see where it's going the couples rated um stronger healthier uh recovered they're, they're they healed faster um so I, I i think it's fun to point out that those areas that could be sort of a softer uh have demonstrated sort of like physiological connection to our well-being and there again, we we really weren't. We really shouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's, it's, there, are people, you know? there are people. There are people from 100 years ago, and people who have stronger, healthier, happier marriages live longer and have less sickness. You you needed you needed to do a study to prove that. That's kind of right. 
I, I mean, let's face it, Jason. I know there's some people out there that might think different, but we are created to interact with each other. We're created to, to have relationships with each other. We're not created to be alone. Right. So we really shouldn't be surprised that we're healthier when we have a healthy relationship with other people. Right. 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 You know, I think, I mean, one profound takeaway from any of these conversations about lifestyle medicine is that it is simple. Um, we, I think keeping it simple is very important. And um, I'm big on this. I, I think I, I made a, a, a post three, six months ago and I, I addressed, I wrote it like it was a letter. I said, dear lifestyle medicine movement and then wrote you know a few paragraphs. And the idea was uh, this whole idea that it's not about more information. It's more about creating cultures where this is valued. People have support. Um, people have help with with learning the skills around these kind of things. Um, and it's it's sort of a return to some some simpler ways of life that are that are kind of common sense. Uh, and you know, one beautiful thing about it, Sean, is that, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, is this is not just a um, do this now to prevent problems later game. I, I, I saw a great infographic about exercise the other day. And what was particularly great about it is it had two columns. And the left-hand column was things that get better right away when you exercise. And the, and the right-hand column was um, things that will, will get better and stay better for decades when you, exercise, you know, when you consistently exercise. I think that's an important message for people that this isn't um, – Taking care of yourself isn't this like drudgery thing you have to do for a future benefit. You you generally speaking start feeling better right away and feel that improvement in ways that are personally meaningful to you. You have, you have more energy to bring to your work. You have more energy to bring to your family. Um, you're um, more focused, more clarity, more creativity. Um, it, you know when you get the the whole system operating better. Yes, you get some fantastic long-term benefits, but you also um, sometimes I talk about it this way, Sean. When I, when I see people make a transformation, and they were, you know, they weren't, you know, like in the hospital sick, right? Like someone comes to me and they have, they've been recently diagnosed with type two diabetes or they have pre-diabetes. They're not, you know, they're they're still living their life, right? But what it turns out when they improve their well-being is they realize they were living life in sort of like black and white with sound down. Now they're living with like surround sound in Technicolor. There you go. <laughs> it's a really cool way to think about this. It's not just about, I don't want to get type two diabetes. I don't want to get dementia. I don't want to get cancer. It's like turning that person up. It's like them living at their fullest. And I just, I think that's a really cool way to think about this stuff. Well, as a pharmacist, I say routinely that the best antidepressant ever invented is exercise. And, and I feel it myself. Sometimes I'm not, I'm not feeling the greatest and it's like, you know what? And then I'll go out and I'll crush a, an hour bike ride. And I, I'm just like, I'm ready. I'm on fire. Yes. And I, I think about how many people in our healthcare system are on antidepressants and all they need to do is just start moving, just start creating some, some of their own dopamine, some of their own endorphins, and they won't need antidepressants. I mean, you know, and, and the great thing about exercise is it just happens to have some benefits of increased muscle, increased lean body mass, decreased body fat, um, you know, 
the list, like you said, the long-term list goes on and on and on. That's a side effect from exercise. You, you know, so you, you'll super appreciate this as, as a pharmacist. I make this distinction. Um, so side effects is obviously the term used in medicine and, and, and pharmacy. Um, I like to think of um, the common side effects of common medications. You you know them better than I do, but you know constipation, diarrhea, muscle pain, sleepiness, you know these kind of things, right? I say effects isn't the accurate term because effects is too sort of neutral or benign. I call it, so I think of those as side problems because most of us don't want to go through the day with constipation or diarrhea, right? Um, and and then what I say is that lifestyle medicine or lifestyle improvements come with side benefits. So when you you use lifestyle medicine to say, lower your blood pressure, improve your blood sugar levels, improve your blood cholesterol levels, you get that under control and you get the kind of things you're talking about. You sleep better, better moods, better digestion. Um, Some of the things I mentioned earlier, better focus, better mental clarity, uh, better productivity, right? You can even, you can even make more money when you're, when you're, when you're healthier, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so I just I, I like that, that 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 distinction appeals to some people. They say, even if I, even if I could get away with not having any side problems with medication, there's an opportunity cost by not exploring the lifestyle medicine approach. If if that makes sense. Absolutely. So speaking of of something that really changed her lifestyle, we have a loyal listener. She's been on our podcast, and she's going to be on our podcast um, soon again. Um, Laura Vest Turner, and um, she really changed her life a few years ago. And speaking of relationships, she changed her whole family's life. Um, her husband and her were both overweight, and um, she 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 um, keto has worked very well for her. She cooked some great keto recipes. I think she lost. And Laura, you have to help me out with this. Um, I think she lost a hundred pounds or close to a, amazing, life changing story for her and her family. Um, but she's puts on here, you know, health's a complete package, food, faith, fitness, sleep. Um, oh, she just, she just messaged and she said, corrected me 130 pounds. You go, Laura. <laughs> um, she probably tuned in a little bit late cause, um, she says she doesn't like to exercise. Um, don't care for the gym, but I'm happy to walk my dog. And I guess you don't have to go to the gym to stay fit. Well, Laura, that's exactly what we were saying earlier in the podcast. So if you go back and watch from the beginning, um, it's just about movement. Getting up, being sedentary. 70 years ago, people didn't really exercise. We, they just moved. They didn't really schedule exercise. So um, keep walking your dog, Laura. You're crushing it. And and I'm excited to have you back on our podcast in a few months. Um, so, Jason, this has been very helpful. One of the things, our, the goal of our podcast is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. Mm-hmm. And I like that's what you're doing is like, you know, we said early on that, most people, they, they already have enough information. They just need to be empowered mm-hmm. to see the benefits that they can have when they make some lifestyle changes. And, and I, I think that's what your program does. So thank you for doing that. I think you've achieved our goal today of um, achieving, of um, educating and empowering individuals. So Jason, as we wrap this up, I'm going to ask you what you have a passion for. Uh, well, I think uh, that's, that's it's a big question, but I think I can answer it straightforwardly. And then this took, you know, this took me some years to get to and some practicing philosophy on what's important to me in life. And 
I, I'll answer it in a word that could be a, a shallow word and because it's a word that's used a lot. Um, but in the way we're talking about it, life to me is about wellness. You know, we have the opportunity, life is very simple. We have the opportunity to, to, to suffer. Um, you know, the suffering is, is part of life. Um, but we also have the opportunity individually in our families, in, in our communities, to ensure as much well-being as possible for as many of us as possible, uh, for as much a portion of our life as possible. And in that idea of living life in surround sound and technicolor, I just can't think of something better to do with our lives. You know, why that's that's the clear opportunity is alleviate as much suffering and and live as robustly as possible. And maybe we can add to that 4K or 8K too. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I acknowledge that my uh, yeah my, my my analogy is uh is it, it, you you can tell I'm the kind of person that doesn't have a television at I'm not a, I'm not a gadget techie person. <laughs> so uh, Jason, after we wrap this podcast up, um, I think I found you. I don't know where I found you. You're on a lot of social media. Here's your LinkedIn. What is the best way that somebody can get a hold of you um, if they want to reach out and ask some questions? Uh, best way right now is is directly through LinkedIn. I'm making a super duper new website that's about two months out from release. But right now, LinkedIn is the place. And and when you want to find my new website, I'll obviously um, have it be linked linked to it on LinkedIn. Awesome, awesome. So I so appreciate you being on today. Um, it, you know, it, it's we can reverse our nation's health. I mean, we really can. And I think. Over the last three years, if there's anything that really has been has popped out, it's like the healthier you the healthier you are already, the more that you can thrive in any situation. That's right. So, um, and there's there's no reason you don't blame it on age. Don't blame it on getting older. Um, I was talking to a a friend the other day, Jack Lalane. Are you familiar with Jack Lalane? Yes. Yeah, of course you are. I mean, of course you are. That's a rhetorical question. I knew you would. But, you know, he was a guy, and I don't know how old he lived to be. I think he was in his 90s, close to 100. I don't really know. But he had a radio show. He was kind of the first guy that promoted health back in the 50s. Or I mean, it was black. Speaking of Technicolor, it was black and white. <laughs> he was on black and white TV, so that's how long ago it was. And, um, you know, he promoted eating healthy and, and exercising. And, I mean, he was healthy up into his and doing his radio show up into his 90s, and then one day he just died. Mm. But he was still doing, thriving in life. I mean, mm. so we can all do that. We can all be Jacqueline. That, that can be the normal, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, Jason, thank you for being on. I, I really appreciate it. Listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in today. Um, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Monday, we have Jennifer Bridges on our show. You don't want to miss out Jennifer Bridges, Health Solutions. 1230 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time, as, as usual on Monday. Listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you. Yeah.